You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Did you call Hello and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast, your daily conversation about the Washington Wizards, even several weeks after the Wizards have stopped playing. That's what we do here on the Locked On Wizards podcast. Ben Standing here with you guys, coming to you guys on a Tuesday evening. Um, today is going to be a little bit of a potpourri podcast, I guess you could say. I've got a little bit of sound for you from Kansas guard Frank Mason, who was part of the Wizards workout on Monday. I think, uh, well, I'll get into him in just a second and why why I think it's interesting to, to listen to, uh, hear what he has to say and, and why he's an interesting player to keep an eye on. After that, it's going to be a little bit of a random, uh, some random audio. I spoke with the PA announcer for the Wizards, Mr. Ralph Wesley, during the Celtic series, and unfortunately, just timing of everything, I didn't have a chance to play that for you guys, but Ralph, I love what Ralph does there at games. Uh, his intro in particular is is great, and I've been wanting to talk to him throughout the season. We finally were able to connect during that playoffs. In the meantime, while I was sort of not being able to get to this, I was also catching up with my guy, Byron Kerr. Uh, you guys know him. He covers the, the Nationals for Masson. He's the voice of GW Basketball on the radio. But also back in the day, he his first real big break was as a the Bullets PA announcer at the old Cap Center. So talked to both of them sort of about that experience and some other things. And I just thought it'd be a good idea to what the hell play them both together. Uh, Wizards or Wizards Bullets PA announcer podcast and such. So. We'll do all that. Uh, the The plan is tomorrow, meaning for Wednesday's podcast, uh, get back into some of the season reviews, uh, topics on the Wizards, and so on. Of course, if you have missed any of our recent podcasts or you want to make sure you don't miss anything going forward, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere else that you do your podcasting. Um, the Wizards have now had three pre-draft workouts. The first one was with Mello Trimble, a former Maryland star. Talked about that at length here on the podcast last week. You can check that out. Part two included Frank Mason and Oregon uh, wing guard Tyler Dorsey. The third workout was today, Tuesday. <clears throat> the headliners there, uh, Gonzaga center uh, Karnowski, seven-footer, kid from Poland, a, a, a player that Marching Gore taught mentors um, on some level, and then also Villanova uh, uh, swingman, or forward, I guess, uh, Chris Jenkins, who, of course, the hero from the uh, national championship uh, win for Villanova in 2016. He hit the buzzer beater, one of the most epic shots in college basketball history. Uh, I did not make today's workout. Had a family thing. My, my godson uh, graduated high school today, so went to that instead. The reality is on these workouts... We don't really get to see much. I've told you guys this before. Sometimes we do, but so far this time we haven't seen much of anything, and that was the impression I got. 
today. You get to see a little bit of the end of practice, but or the end of the workout, but honestly not a ton. Um, we're mostly there to, to, to get the interviews um, afterwards. With regards to Mason and Dorsey, I think they are two guys, if they were there for the Wizards in the second round and when Washington picks at 52, I think Washington would have to consider either of those guys. Let me just go with Dorsey. 6'4", uh, he's athletic. He The one thing we did see him do in the workout was that he and, and Mason were essentially the only two guards there. Mason's a 5'11 point guard, Dorsey a 6'4 wing, so not exactly natural opposition. But they went one-on-one a few times, and they both had their moments, but there was at least a couple times where Mason had some really nice moves getting, you know, again, they're one-on-one, getting to the paint, getting to the basket, and Dorsey stayed right with him, I thought, uh, there. He, he he can also shoot the three, uh, big-time threat from there. He's He has... The, the high-stakes experience of playing for Oregon's uh, Final Four team. I think he would be a very interesting player, for sure. He was very confident about the fact that he could defend players at both ones and twos and also play both positions if needed. <clears throat> of course, with the Wizards, that, that to me is such a big key. I, I know we focus a ton on the backup point guard for John Wall, but let's not forget the, the, the spot behind Bradley Beal is a major concern as well. So they need somebody or multiple players that can help them in both spots. Really, they need a third guard in whatever that entails. Because um, even if you have to have Bradley Beal play some point with John Wall sitting, that's reasonable if you have a two-guard who can come in there and help. Of course, any second-round pick is not likely to come in and, and light things up. But these are two guys who have, especially, uh, th- these are two guys who can who could potentially help right away. And that's especially probably true in the case of Mason, who we'll get to now, National Player of the Year for Kansas Shot, what, 47% from three this past year, his senior year. Insane, insane shooting there, but 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 a sort of that prototypical point guard. And we all had a chance to talk to him. Here's a little bit of snippet of what he had to say about these workouts, about possibly playing for the Wizards, and that three-point shot. You obviously uh, got a lot better at knocking down threes this year. Um, how much is that a part of your game, and do you think that can translate to the NBA level? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, ever since I've been shooting um, from the NBA line, it's, it's been pretty consistent. Um, you know, over the summer before I heading into my uh, senior year, I was uh, making 253s a day. So, you know, I think it really paid off, you know, heading in, you know, to all these workouts and, you know, just shooting the ball at the combine and things like that. When, when you get a chance to, you know, talk to these guys and, 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 and in the interviews, there's so many underclassmen um, in the draft. But you set yourself apart from being 23 years old, consensus national player of the year, four-year player at a high program. What are you, what is the message that you're trying to let teams know um, when you talk to them? Well, you know, just how loyal I am. Um, you know how I'm a team first guy. It's always we instead of I. And you know, if we win, the pie's big enough for everyone. You know, I don't have to tell them about my toughness because they see that. Um, my unselfishness and my playmaking skills, you know, they, they pretty much see everything else. What's it like uh, working out for the Wizards? I know you grew up in Virginia and, um, you know, went to high school south of Richmond, right, in Petersburg? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's a great opportunity to come out and work for the work out for the Wizards. You know, I watched them a lot growing up and, you know, to, you know, actually be out here working out, you know, in front of everyone that's, that's going to decide whether um, they want to pick me or not. I think it's, it's a really cool experience. How much do you study up on these teams before you go in for a workout? And if you did, what did you kind of discover about the Wizards? 
Um, you know, I, I try to know a lot about, you know, each each team heading into the workout. Uh, just try, trying to get a feel for, you know, what that team needs, uh, who are all the coaches, the GM, the owner. So, you know, those are, those are some things that I usually try to find out before heading into the workouts. Did you read about 600 articles about the Wizards needing a backup point guard? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read any articles, but, you know, I had a few mentions on Twitter <laughs> talking about what the Wizards need. Yeah, no doubt. Frank Mason's been getting mentions on Twitter um, about the Wizards' lack of a point guard uh, behind John Wall. Uh, if you didn't know, that was my question to him about how much does he study up on a team, and then <laughs> did has he did he read all kind had he read a bunch of articles about the Wizards' need for a point guard? You know, we we ask these prospects all the same general stuff. How is the workout? How is it different than these other teams? What are you hearing from teams? What have you been working on? And you know. At this point, especially when they've been to multiple teams, I think Dorsey said he'd already been to eight, Mason had been to several, and they have both have a bunch more to go. You know, they get conditioned to say the same things. You try to come up with some different ways, what what else they asked them. And I did ask both of them, how much do you study up on a team before you get there? And they both made a point of saying, yeah, absolutely do it. That's why then for both of them said, all right, well, what did, what did, what did you kind of discover? about? In, in the case of Dorsey, I said, I think directly, what did you discover about the Wizards and you know, he knew enough at least to say, yeah, they kind of need some help <laughs> in the backcourt. Um, and that they play, they also that they, that they play fast. So, um, you know, you look for anywhere you can get some insight from that from the team. You're not trying to trip these guys up by any stretch. Um, and the reality is the odds of any one of these players getting selected by the Wizards is incredibly small. But it's interesting to hear. You know what what they had to say, what they think, anything out of them, especially when it comes to the, the Wizards and and so on. I, I really think Frank Mason would be a great fit. Not saying he's the the one absolute guy to get there, and I think Dorsey would be as well. Really interesting player for them. I'm not saying they're the absolute guy. Uh, maybe I'll come up with a name or two once we get a lot closer to the draft. But I definitely think they're two guys to look at. And of the players that have come in so far, I think they're the two to keep an eye on. Most of all, everybody else. As best as I can tell, um, you know, if you look at Draft Express rankings and things like that, most of these other guys are probably going to be um, undrafted and, you know, some potential players that could be uh, part of the Vegas Summer League team. All right, so um, so that's that. I believe at this point there won't be any workouts until next week. Uh, it is Tuesday. Things can change. But at this point, it doesn't appear like there'll be any workouts until next week. Um, all right, let's get into... Our uh, our PA announcers. First off, Mr. Ralph Wesley. If you go to if you go to Wizards home games, I mean beyond the game itself, the part you want to watch pregame intros. Ralph gets up there. He does this thing introducing the players, and then he um, when when he gets ready to say it's game time, they put the camera on his face, and I don't even know how he does it. He contorts his face in this funky weird way, <coughs> and I asked him about that a bunch of whole other things. And plus, he also gave me a little bit of, uh, um, he, he gave me in the, in, uh, a little bit of the uh, Ralph Wesley treatment uh, when it comes to uh, announcing my name. So, here's that, Mr. Ralph Wesley. Alright, uh, we are talking also ahead of game four with, uh, there's different, I guess, there's different voices of the Wizards. There's the radio voice, there's a the TV voice, but then there's the in-house voice. There's obviously only one of those. Mr. Ralph Wesley Easily, I've told him this before. Easily, the my favorite part of every game is the pregame. 
when they when they put the when they put the tight camera on you yeah. and uh, and and you, I don't know even how you contort your face or how you do all that uh, and then you get it going. I ha it, it is a how did that? But what how did take take me through that? How did you get to that point where? You have to. I mean, everybody who's listening to this has been to a game. You've seen this. Yeah. How, how do you how do you get your face to get that kind of contorted, that excited, all simultaneously while spitting out what you got to say? Listen, man, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I started that back when I was doing NCAA um, in, in college, and it was just just a way to get everybody into the game. You know, get right on their feet. You know, kind of thing like that. And uh, I didn't know I made those kind of faces until I saw my audition tape. And you know everybody's like, oh my God, those faces! I had no clue I made those kind of faces. <laughs> but you know when I when I'm when I'm reading something like that or if I'm saying something like that, I'm trying to portray an, an act that sure. I want I, I want to see everybody emulate. Um, and then you know th th that those faces just come out. I'm just trying to sell you something, and I had no clue that <laughs> you know those faces would become that popular. So yeah. No, it's 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 uh, it's great. You do a great job Thank you. With, with with that. So you've got. We talk about best seats in the house. There can't be a much better seat than what you've got. You're literally at center court. You're right there. You obviously got to keep an eye on the game. You're unlike you know. You're not doing like what I'm doing. It's like being on Twitter and distracting myself. <laughs> right. You're, you're highly focused on on the whole game. So, I guess for example, the other day with you had the uh, the, the Kelly Oubre Kelly Olynyk situation, which yeah. is from yeah. yeah from my seat, which isn't terribly far away. Yeah. It was shocking to see it. Whatever I'm saying, just any type of confrontation like that, from your perspective, like whether that one or other ones, how you are right there. Does it feel like wow? I look what is happening, like right in front of me. Yeah, you don't you don't actually think about that, you know, until after it happens. But it's really intense because you 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 hear what's going on and some of the things that are said. You know, we we can't repeat that, of course. Um, but it, it's, it's really intense and you really, I mean, it gets you into it. It's like, wow, this is really happening. And then the crowd sees what's happening and they, they start, you know, they start chanting or, or doing whatever. They, like, they started chanting Kelly's name, uh, Kelly Oubre, um, after that happened. And it, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's really intense and it really gets you more into the game and you feed off the crowd. You know, I, I, I'm trying to feed off the crowd. If I feel like the crowd is a little dead, and I'll, I'll push a little something, you know, push a little something out. Um, it doesn't matter what it is. It's all, it's all, it's all feeling. You know, it, it's nothing, it's nothing that uh, it, it's actually planned most of the time. A lot of it is just ad-libbing. But in, in terms like that, you know, you really want to keep the crowd in it because, you know, the Wizards could have lost their cool after that as a team or, or, or uh, 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 Boston could have really turned it on. You want you want the the Wizards to remain cool. They were up twenty points already. Remain cool, but keep the crowd into it. So you know th those are the things I'm thinking of when something like that happens. How can I, how can I help the situation? You know. Uh, back in the day, a hundred years ago, when I started covering the team, they would actually let us for some games sit on the end here oh, of yeah. the row where you are. Yeah. And if I cover a Mystics games, I'm sitting right next to the visitors bench. So you definitely can see some interesting things. Back then, like LeBron would do the whole uh, white patter thing, and oh yeah, he right, does it right in front, of right in front of him. Yeah, no, we, we hate that chalk. I mean, the chalk, it, I mean, it gets on your face, and by the end of the game, you, you know, your face is, is ashy, and it's like, it feels it's dry, <laughs> and you need some lotion, I need to wash, but it's, it's terrible, so I hate that stuff. No, I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But I was going to say, so, like, what, what are some of the other things that, like, you get to know, observe and witness that, like, we don't get to notice? Like, one thing I'm curious about, like, Marquise Morris has this weird habit now. He comes out of the game, and instead of, going, yeah, instead of going to the bench, he sits there <laughs> right in front of you. He's got something, I don't know. Yeah, like, so, 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 so I don't know, I mean, that one I, I can see, but, like, what, what are some of the things that you've witnessed 
this series over the season with Wizards or other teams that we wouldn't know about? Well, nothing this series, but I, you hear a lot of what the coaches have to say, and you you, you can see the, the 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 people that the people that they, they don't really they don't particularly like. I, I would say that uh, that they know need an extra pushing, and I you know as an example, Kevin Serafin. I mean, every time he came into the game, Randy Whitman was just on him. I mean, no matter what he did, it was you know, and you and you always heard those things. Kevin, what are you doing? You know, it's things like that. And you know, these are grown men. I mean, and, and he has to talk to them sometimes, like they're children, uh, depending on who they are. So, I think I think actually hearing what the players are saying. I mean, uh, Chris Paul. I think it was last year, last season. Chris Paul and Doc Rivers were like standing right in front of me, and they were talking about talking about John. And it was kind of like, wow, are they talking about John? And they were, I mean, they were like, man, well, no, no, we need to go at him. You know, forget him. You know, he's, this, I'm like, wow. That was some inside stuff. And, it, <laughs> and they, find, they, they act like they wanted, they, they were acting like, you know, John was too arrogant or something. We got to put him in his place. And I was just like, wow, they, you know, John ended up doing really well. But it was, it was, you know, things like that really kind of get me fired up. I, was like, I wanted to say something, <laughs> you know, that's my team you're talking about. So. Uh, yeah, I've got to keep up with sometimes. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, I, I know you got to get ready for, for pregame. We definitely want to, whenever the season's over, hopefully oh, yeah. for, for your sake and the Wizards' sake, you got to keep getting those checks. But <laughs> for the Wizards' sake and all, hopefully it won't be for a while, but we'll do, we'll do a, longer, uh, a, a longer dive there. What's your, just knowing this, as we're going into this game for, what's, what's that one thing you always either look forward to saying, a phrase, somebody's name, a moment? What, what's that one thing that like everybody should know, this is where Ralph gets his... Uh, announcing rocks off, so to speak. <laughs> well, of course, uh, like you say, it's it's game time. And even before that, just my, my warm-up, a lot of people look forward to that. I mean, I have a lot of a lot of coaches, a lot of visiting media that look forward to my, my mic check that I do. I mean, I mean, it's a mic check. It's, it's a funny mic check, but it's, it's just a mic check. And like Walter McCarty, I mean, he, he, he was looking forward to it last game. He's like, you do the mic check yet? I, I didn't even, I had no idea he even knew. Celtics assistant, right? Yeah, Celtics yeah. assistant, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then, you know, Dale Curry, when he comes with, uh, with Charlotte, he's always like, oh, here comes the mic check, here we go. You know, and of course, Sam Cassell, he always loved it. You know, a lot of players and, uh, and former players love it. So, you know, things like that I actually look forward to. But of course, in game, you never know what's going to happen. But I just love the crowd, you know, that, that moment where the crowd it's just, you know, that, that basket where the crowd gets really into it and the team calls a timeout. I really look, time out, ATL. You know, I like, I like that part of it. You know, and everybody's really into it. I can, I can do my little thing, so, yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. Uh, Ralph, definitely appreciate it. Yeah. Do, am I indulging you to do uh, something for the Lockdown Wizards right now or are there too many people around? No, there's not too many people around. Sure. All right, you, uh, uh, but I'm going to do something a little more, more formal now. I'll send it to you. Uh, All right, I can do something right now. Something you, uh, you're the professional. I want you to maybe be comfortable whenever, whatever you want to do. You want to, you want to make it on the side. That is totally fine as well. Yo, here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do Three, this. Two, one. He's the reason everybody is locked on Wizards. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Standing. I will absolutely be playing that one on this podcast going forward. <laughs> Ralph, definitely appreciate, it, man. Good luck today, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. And that is how I'd like to be introduced from now on. I got to work on that. I may have to uh, uh, see about incorporating that intro into the uh, Locked on Wizards uh, introduction on this podcast. Um, all right. Many thanks to Ralph. Huge apologies that it took this long to get it up. Um, speaking of, again, Wizards PA guys, I also spoke with 
Mr. Byron Kerr from, um, again, covers the, the Nats for Madison, GW, the voice, uh, the radio voice of GW Basketball. You can follow him on Twitter at Madison Kerr. Uh, let's get right into him. He talked about his days, uh, back in the days. He was there with Chris Weber, Juwan Howard, and all them, uh, and, and what it was like to, to get a break that way. So here is Mr. Byron Kerr talking about the good old days with the Bullets and his PA career. All right, so we're sticking with the uh, former Wizards PA or Wizards PA announcers for 100. We just heard from Ralph Wesley, the current voice. Now we're going back in time a little bit to the guy who was the voice of the Wizards at, at Capital Center, 19 what 94 to 96. Is that we said the great Mr. Byron Kerr. You know him, of course. Now he does uh, Nats again for Masson, voice of George Washington Radio. And I've heard over the uh, Byron's told me over the years that he had had this, but we never really talked too much about it. So, uh, so it's exciting to get you in a podcast for, especially for a legitimately related topic. I don't have to shoehorn you in with some with some craziness. Uh, I said I don't know how much you really watch the Wizards now because you've got 23 jobs, but I told I, I said on a podcast recently I think this was the most fun team. I can't say to cover because I didn't cover your era, but the most fun team I recall since the Weber Howard. Team. Maybe in terms of the hype, the hope, whatever. Yeah. Well, I just I don't know if you, how you can compare those things, but what was that like? Because it was insane the hype on Weber Howard. Uh, if you weren't of that time, it's, a, it's impossible to appreciate how exciting it was to have two guys in the Fab Five showing up to uh, to play here. Yeah, I mean that was a, a special time, 1994, and actually the one of the voices of the Nationals, Charlie Slows, was the play-by-play for the Bullets back then, and. Uh, I got the job through a, uh, a contest, an open contest for PA announcers at the Capitol Center, really? the Airways Arena. Yeah, there was like five or six guys there, and we just had to go down to and use the microphone at U.S. Airways Arena and announce a starting lineup and read some of the stuff that the PA announcer who, would, who was retiring had done uh, the year previous, and you just had to read it over the PA in an empty arena, and uh, Susan O'Malley and... Matt Williams and all these Wizards, uh, sorry, Bullets and Wizards executive people were there to listen and decide who was going to be the next PA announcer, and I got the gig that way. And one of the funny things was is that week, Tony Kornheiser on his show on the radio said, you know, why'd they pick this guy? They should have picked somebody, you know, who was uh, of his persuasion or, you know, something like that. So it became this big joke. They because one of the guys in his radio station had also applied for the job and didn't get it. So he's like, why they pick this Byron, well, Brian, Byron Kerr guy? Or that whatever. is a big week. Not only did you get a big job, but Kornheiser busts on you. Yes. That is a big deal. Well, he didn't know who I was. You know, They didn't know yeah. my name. They just played, uh, you know, and they, I think they they had some, like, World Wrestling Federation, like, terrible uh, PA announcing, and they played that as being me. Saying, oh, how do they give it to this guy? You know, <laughs> so it was pretty funny. Anyway, back to your question. Yes, that was... You know, an exciting time, as you said, Jawan Howard and Chris Weber, and you know, I was really nervous because that was the first game, and we got to introduce them. Now, how old are you at this point? Well, I mean, then you'll know how, I, how old oh, I am, am I now. Dating, am I dating yeah, you? Yeah, All right, fine. Um, but it was my first big break. Uh, to answer that question a little bit different uh, a way, I think I had I hadn't even worked at WTOP yet. I was working at Mutual Radio, uh, which is now Westwood One with Larry Michael. Larry Michael was my boss there. He's oh, now wow. the voice of the Redskins. So I had just broken into the business, really, 
I didn't get the job at WTOP until 96, but that was kind of part of it. I was working at a law firm as a paralegal, and I didn't even have a job in radio or TV. So that was kind of my first big break to legitimize myself with an NBA team. And that was the big deal, was introducing Jawan Howard and Chris Weber, and they had Mark Price on that team, Calbert Chaney, George Murison, Don McClain, trying to remember some, Jim Lynham was the coach. And uh, I mean, it was just a fun, it was just a fun gig to hear your voice um, at the arena. And you know, those were the Michael Jordan years. And when they would have Michael Jordan and the Bulls come in and I did the starting lineups, they always told me to say Michael Jordan's name first because they didn't want the crowd to get all pumped up right. and have, because back then there were more fans there to see the Bulls than to see the Bullets, you know? So they'd always have me introduce Michael Jordan first, and yeah, everybody would be like, hey, no. So wait, I always wonder that. So I, mean, I guess that makes sense, but like you decide the order for yeah. for both teams, or the or the Bullets say to you, Chris Webber goes I last. Think, um, I think I probably did, you know, guard, guard, forward, forward, center right. uh, for the Bullets. And they never really cared for any of that. When we played any other team, it didn't matter, except for the Chicago Bulls. Sure. And that's when they wanted... Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan, those guys, get get them out of the way in the first and second announcement and, you know, say it stoically and, and you know, matter-of-factly and don't get excited about it. And, and there was always those those moments, like, I remember I'd always get excited when the Bullets would do something, obviously, and then one time I, I hear in my ear that you're, you're pronouncing Liddell Eccles' name wrong. Oh they would God. hear it, you know, and I'd say, Liddell Eccles, and go, no, it's Liddell Eccles, and I'd say, Liddell, and so... You know, one time, like, I'm going back and forth on my my little IFB in my ear or whatever was with whoever's telling me how to pronounce his name. And as we're arguing, it's an NBA game, so the other team scored. And whoever that other player was from the other team, you know, I said, Cedric Sabalos or something like that or whatever it was. And they're like, I hear it come down the IFB. Don't cheer for the other team. <laughs> it was like, well... <laughs> Maybe you just let me figure out how to say Liddell Eccles and we'll be okay. But there, I mean, there were so many great memories from that time. Uh, going, going to Bowie State and doing, they'd even have me do the PA for like those pickup games they had at Bowie State. And I remember Jim Lynan come over the table and they, they were saying, who should do this uh, the, the announcement? They said, I want Byron to do it. He's really good. So that always kind of stuck into my mind that the coach even recognizes if the PA announcer is good and made me feel real good that the coach you know, thought I was yeah. good at my job. Although it makes you wonder, wait, dude, shouldn't you be thinking about other things than rather what Byron is doing? Like, don't you need to like plan to beat Michael Jordan? But I mean, it's really, you know, you, you'd be surprised how important, like, some coaches like everything from, you know, the way that his players look to if they're gonna come out to music. The game presentation is, is is important to these guys too about how they present their team, you know. But you're right, yeah, there was a lot of they weren't great teams then, but they certainly I felt back in those seasons that I did uh, the PA that they uh, certainly battled hard. They were not as talented as the teams they played for the most part then. But I just remember George Murison, you know, at seven foot seven, Manute Bowl, guys like that, diving on the floor. Murison diving on the floor for a basketball when a lot of guards wouldn't even bend down to reach for a ball. And I always thought that was pretty impressive that their energy level and how hard they played resonated with the fans back in those days. What what is uh, what took longer, a, a, a Bryce Harper home run trot or Murison getting off the floor <laughs> after he died for the ball? Because that's not like an easy hop up. No, I mean, because you, it, it almost is painful if you remember those games to see him fall and then, or dive, 
and then try to get back up because you knew how. I mean, he he was the epitome of a of a player who who uh, was obviously a giant, but wasn't the most athletic player. And, no. and it took a lot for him to do what he was doing. And he was, you know, it was impressive to watch. There was a two year stretch though, when they when they had when they made the playoffs. I'm going to ask you about that the bowl series and yeah. but like where he was legit. Like I always said, like he was at least as good as Rick Smith, which I'm not saying was. Akeem Elijah one, but that sure. was legitimately. Yeah, he yeah. was legit. Uh, so you were there then for the series when they played the Bulls. I don't think I. I think I only did lasted two years there because uh, I I got the full time job at TOP and that oh, happened okay. to be a night job, and that was a full time job. This was just uh, you know. So wait, were you there? Game. You were there when Rod Strickland was there. I feel like I had one year with Rod. Yeah. Well, so then the, the important question is, did you ever see him eat a hot dog on the side, on the bench? <laughs> no. But what's funny is now that I'm the GW play-by-play announcer, he's an assistant coach or was an assistant coach with South Florida, and I went over and, and saw him on the bench before a game. I said, I don't know if you remember me, but I used to do the PA for the Bullets. Because yeah, I remember your voice. So that was kind of cool. And, you know, I always – I didn't know him back then, so I always thought he was, you know, a very serious and – you know, not a friendly guy, and he couldn't be the more, more friendly of a guy and very, very easy to talk to and nice to see him after all these years. I have to say I'm sort of surprised he's become this assistant. I, only, I was younger then as well, so, yeah. so it's only based on perception. But he was not a guy where I was like, oh, he's so dedicated to the craft. Yeah. He's going to go study and study. Um, favorite guy to announce? Favorite name to, to say? And if you think of it, if you'd like to give it a whirl, go for it. Well, what was great about uh, working at the at the U.S. Airways Arena is I, I got to, you can kind of feel uh, the levels that the microphone can take from, you know, low to high, high to low, and, and how long it will resonate. You kind of play with it when you're a PA announcer with the microphone. And I used to kind of, my signature was to, to use the base of my voice to trail out a name for his, so that it would shake the walls after a while. Like I would say, you know, Liddell Eccles and just let it go for a long time. Well, George Murasan was always fun to say because I would say, George Murasan or something like that. And I would go high to low. And, you know, even with the game still going on, I would still be saying his Murasan and it would shake. And I mean, I always, you know, I got a kick out of it. I don't know if the fans liked it or not, but it was always fun to kind of have fun with those guys and their names. And, you know, because when you have like a Mark Price or, you know, some of those names, you cannot stretch out. Right. But anytime it was, you know, Liddell Eccles or George Murison or Juwan Howard, Chris Web- Weber, you know, I used to have fun with that. You'd always try to make it, you know, last as long as you possibly could. Right. Chase Hughes, you can't do anything with that. <laughs> That's a terrible name. Yeah, these these uh these one syllable or two syllable names, you know, you're right. getting Todd Dibus. What are you doing? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, awesome man. Well I, I'm glad we got to go down memory lane. Uh, would you like to address the Nats bullpen situation while we're here or do <laughs> you want to leave that alone? I've got enough time to do that on the blog. Right. Okay. Well go, Thanks go. for letting me remember those days. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh well, wait, you've got multiple Twitter. At Massenker is that- Kerr is the baseball one and, and to talk basketball. And to talk uh, other sports, it's Beaker PXP. Uh, you know what? I should have I should have asked you. I, uh, when I talked to Ralph, he did a uh, he did like an introduction for me for the podcast. I should have made you do it. Could have like an announcer off 
to see, but I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't put you under the pressure. Okay. Right. I, I, I've been called to do that at weddings and bar mitzvahs and all kinds of stuff. All right, well, when, it, when, when, I, when I need uh, better uh, something for my for the podcast, I will... Uh, free of charge, I, too, then. Free oh, of charge. I appreciate it. That's, yeah. the be- that's the best way. Byron, man, appreciate it. Go Nets. I guess I'm an Orioles guy, but go Nets for you. Thank you. <laughs> Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Ball drives off balance shot. Dagger!